What's up, guys? It is Sunday, February the 9th, and we have a lot to get into today. For the last week, I have been talking with college coaches and high school coaches that I have a lot of respect for. So we're going to get into some topics today that I think you all need to be listening for. We're also going to talk about some standouts that I have seen over the past couple of months. Uh, Vino Glover Jr. from Collins Hill and Brendan Rigsby from North Gwinnett. The topic today is ball is in your hands. You won't lose it for your team, but can you win it? Do you have a player on your team that is worthy of the crown of being the go-to player? We're going to talk a lot today. Get ready. All right, guys. So the devil you know versus the angel you ignore. This is a tag, a little phrase that uh, one of my friends said when we were discussing, you know, transfers coming in and out of programs. Uh, He's a coach at a junior college program, so often he'll see a player come in, stay one year and leave, or he'll see a player come in from a four-year that maybe his grades weren't up to par. He comes in, gets his grades together, and he's right back out. Uh, This happens a lot on the college circuit, especially now the transport I said transport. (laughs) The transfer portal is open at the collegiate level a lot more now. So you see players that are coming in, staying in one place for one year, transferring out, going somewhere else. So, But one thing at the college level that I've seen is the coaches understand this mentality. And so they have the mindset to understand and try to develop and also try to give everybody that comes through their program an opportunity to get on the floor, to earn playing time. Um, it's not about who I already know. It's about where I'm trying to go. Every season is different. You can't base last year's record or the year before that's record and say, well, this is what worked in the past. So this is what we're going to do now. Just like times change, seasons change. Players transfer. Um, zoning happens in the high school um, areas. So, you know, you have different players coming in and out of, of regions. So if you're not a coach that's open to playing new players or at least giving them fair opportunity to earn playing time on the floor, you're not going to have the success that you think you're going to have. Because I guarantee you that if you stick to what you think works for you, you're going to fall into that area of playing the devil that you know and ignoring the angel that you don't. Simple. And with that, a lot of high school coaches operate on this, I want to be liked mantra you know they've developed these friendships with their players they've developed these friendships with their players moms and dads and so they sit around and they want to play these players and they want to keep these players in active rotation to please the outside to please the parents to keep whatever booster money they have coming in that's how they run the program and until they meet real competition it works for them but eventually you're going to get to the point where you realize that the people that you're playing the players that you're playing are lacking in the areas that you need to win. Biggest thing is defense. I've been watching for the past few months um, a few teams, and the one thing that I can say lacks in a lot of teams is the intensity on the defensive side. It lacks. No one has one player that is intense the entire game. There's always players out here that only 
are into the game when they're scoring. They're only into the game when something's going right. They're only into the game when, you know, this is happening. They're only into the game when this is happening. No player is going up and down that floor with the same intensity, possession after possession. They're not getting into these defensive stances, wanting to be hungry for the ball, play after play after play after play after play, unless things are going good for them on the offensive side. Then you have players, literally, and this is crazy for me, you know, at the college level, you know, I've seen you have a player that's a standout that will shoot a majority of your shots, but not 90% of them. At the high school level, if you have one player taking more than 25 shots, but only scoring maybe 20, you have a serious problem. And I'm just going to be honest with you. You have a serious problem. One, that player for sure is not winning games for you. I can guarantee you that. They're not winning games for you. Two, they may not be losing games for you. But what difference does that make if he, if they're, because it happens in female basketball too, if they're not the reason that you're losing the game, but if they're your go-to player and they're not the reason that you're winning them, something needs to change. You have eight minutes in high school quarters. Eight minutes. Five players on the court at a time for each team. So if one player takes 10 to 11 shots in one quarter and leaves that quarter with four points, five points, maybe maybe six points, and you're down by 10, second quarter starts, that player's still in the game. What do you think that does for the morale of your team when they see that consequences don't have any type of, you know, visibility to certain players? When players are shooting us out of games, nothing's happening. What do we do? So I talked to my coaches. One thing that we've all agreed on is that none of us are too proud to say we're wrong. All right. We look at we look at our season and you know we, we look at our team at the beginning of the season. We say, okay, this is what we have. This is what I had last year. These are the players I have returning. So naturally, I'm comfortable with the players that I have returning because I coach them for a season already. I know what they're able to do. But two things I have to do at the beginning of this next season. One, I have to reevaluate where those current players are. And if they're exactly where they were last year, then I'm putting you back automatically in the rotation to try to earn this starting spot. Automatically. Like, if you haven't shown me that there's been just an enormous amount of a progression in your offseason. So if you were my go-to last year that I have to make you my go-to this year just because of how great your skill set has become or how tenacious your defense has become or whatever the case may be, then you're back in that rotation to try to earn this playing time. Second thing I have to do, look at who's transferring into my program. All right? So I'm looking around. I'm seeing... These players coming in, they're, they're rezoning, you know, c- communities. And, you know, I got different players coming in, different players going out. So now I'm looking at who's coming into my program. The first thing I want to do is to assess what their strengths are. 
It does me no good to compare a new player to the strengths of the players I already know. Everybody's not going to be an Allen Iverson. Everybody's not going to be a Kobe Bryant. Everybody's not going to be Shaq in the post. Everybody's not going to be Tim Duncan in the post. But the fact of the matter is, Shaq was an all-star. Tim was an all-star. AI was an all-star. Kobe was an all-star. So if I have four different players, even if they all play the same position, I'm looking now to see what your strength is in that position. Defense. Ball handling. Scoring. Assists. Leadership. Why do I have you on my floor is the question I have to ask myself. Why do I have to have you on my floor? What are you doing for me? All right. So you make 30 shots in a row in practice. You take those same 30 shots in the game and you make seven of them. I now tell you at that very moment, you're not taking 30 shots in a game for me ever again. I don't care if you make seven in a row next game. You're not taking 30 shots. Problem with this high school generation of coaches is that they walk into a locker room and they want to be liked. They feel like they got to have a big roster with jerseys filled. I can have a... 25 jerseys in my in my box over here and I guarantee you I'm fine with filling six of them if six players meet the tenacity that I require and that I expect out of my team that's the six players that's going with me all right so to get hurt we we in trouble you know what I'm saying we are in trouble but the thing about it is I'm not going to play players just based off of my relationship with them or their parents or, or the fact that I just know them from last year. If you're getting out-hustled and out-scored and out-defended and out-just everything by a new player, you're losing your spot. That's point blank, period. That's no, there's no gray area to that. You don't get to start just because you're a senior. You don't get to start just because you started last year. That's not how that works. You don't get to start because you're six foot seven. Like, I don't need a big, tall, weak, flopping center just because you got the height. You're not going to scare nobody once they see that they don't put an elbow to your chest and now you over there on the bench curled over. So, where do we begin to prepare these kids for the next level? All right. So the biggest conversation I do remember having um, was with Coach uh, Howard. She's now over at Georgia Southern. She used to coach at Columbus State University, uh, the girls coach. And I remember one thing that stood out to me was her saying how she changes year to year. Her coaching plan, uh, the way she looks at her athletes, the way she looks at her team, it changes year to year. For that reason, you know, you have so many different athletes coming in. Um, everybody's not built for a high-tempo game style. Everybody's not built for a set um, offense 
game style. You know, everybody's built differently. You get different players all the time. So, you know, having that conversation with her and, you know, the respect that I have for her and the way that she coaches, it kind of validates, you know, my point of view as far as the importance of going into each year with an open mindset. You know, going into each year knowing that your job primarily is to, of course, you want to win. You want to win games. But your job is to develop these young athletes and to get them to the level that their hard work and that their skill set and that their talent allows them to go to. Um, In a perfect world, you know, you would be able to say, Everybody just automatically gets recruited from every team at all times. It doesn't work like that. But, you know, you you have kids who try out for basketball, and they know that they're not the greatest player. They just want to be a part of a team. They want to be a part of, you know, just the program. You know, they don't mind sitting on the bench. That's, you know, what they're there for. They, they, They play other sports. They're just there just to say they did it. You You have those players, all right? If you want to put them on your roster, that's fine. Go ahead. But understand, when you have a team full of players who all have the idea that playing college ball is a possibility for them, because either A, you put that into their head because of how you orchestrate your team, how much leadership you require of them, or how many chances you give them to blow a game for you. Whatever the case may be, you put these ideas in certain players' heads that they're built for the next level already. My biggest issue with you know bringing in an automatic roster, because everybody knows that once you make varsity one time, or once you make the, a program, one time, typically your odds of making it the next year and the next year and the next year are very high. You know, um, it's not very often you see a player that was on the team this year not make it the next year unless it was some type of grade issue or disciplinary issue or something like that. But one thing that I have noticed in the in the coaches that I respect the most and the coaches that have these winning seasons, the coaches that have kids going to college all the time is they're not afraid to challenge the mold. You know, they they look at the players that already are coming back and they make sure that they know it's not automatic for you. You know, you have uh, Coach Tiggs up here at um, Bob Jones High School. The conversation I had with him definitely just lights my 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 basketball IQ on fire. Like it, 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 you can tell that the years he has invested in the game and the way that he's coached year after year after year after year, he knows the game, he's seasoned in the game, but he's still at his age and at his tenure able to shift with the the coming of the times, if you if you want to say it that way. He's able to shift his way of thinking when it comes to these players coming in. He has a player up there, uh, Jaden Coleman, who's going to Tulane. Um, 
a dynamic player, one of the best shooters I think in the country. Um, definitely dominated the EYBL circuit. Um, I think he broke the three-point shooting record for EYBL and things like that. So he he has a player up there that you would think should be the all-be-all. He should, you know, that's the player that should be taking 30 shots a game and things like that. Even still, with this player having committed to Tulane, having broken these records, and having been the dynamic player that he is, Jaden is still one of the most team-oriented players you'll ever see. He's going to play on both ends of the court, first and foremost, and he's going to make sure that if he's having an off night, he makes up for it in other ways. He's not going to lack on defense just because he didn't make his first three shots. All right, He's not going to be mad because this guy made the shot or this guy took the layup or this guy did this or this guy did that. Instead, he's going to clap his teammates up and he's going to go for that win. He's going to make sure that the scoreboard at the end of the game reflects what's on his chest. That's the most important thing. Uh, what'd you say? Listen to the A-Man choir back there. Um, but up here in this area, actually, you know, I'm in the Swanee area right now. In this area, uh, I spoke with the coach at North Gwinnett quite a few times. And, you know, we have a lot in common. We've been able to, you know, talk a lot. And the one thing about him, he's a young coach. You know, he's... So he's able to kind of grow with the the changes. You know, he doesn't have to try to re-establish his way of thinking because he's he's fairly new. He's really young. But the one thing that I've noticed about him is one once you play him one time, he has kind of that Nick Saban um, mindset. You're not gonna beat me twice doing the same thing. All right. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting different results. So the thing about when you're coaching against a methodical coach, when you're coaching against a coach that's not afraid to say, hey, I didn't have it right in that game. I didn't do this right in that game. Hey, I got to sit this player down. Hey, this player got to go. I'm saying a coach that's not afraid to do that is a coach that you're not going to beat doing the same exact thing that you did the last time you played him. I watched North Gwinnett throughout this season. Um, a couple of the players sent me different videos and things like that throughout the season of the games that I wasn't able to attend. And I watched them change their play style, change their tempo, change their, uh, really just change over the course of a season, change their team chemistry changed their team character throughout this season. They've grown together and they've learned to change game to game. That's one team that I can say by watching them. If you play them on Tuesday and you run a man-to-man defense the entire game, they're going to destroy that man-to-man defense the next game if you beat them in the first one. If you run certain plays that worked against them in the first game, they're going to destroy you on the defensive end the second game. They're going to be stealing those passes that you got the first game. They're going to be deflecting those passes. They're going to be blocking those shots. They're going to be ready for those flops. They're going to be ready for all the things that you did and got the you know, edge on them during the first game. They're going to be ready for it the second game. All right. So 
those are the kind of coaches that I look at and I say, you know what, those are the programs that I want to make sure I see those players develop to their highest ability. I see those players make it to those uh, next level institutions to be able to, to continue their basketball careers because those are the players that already have instilled in them that grit, that team work first, you know, that we is greater than me mentality, right? You have Brandon Bigsby, who Rigsby, I said Bigsby, Brandon Rigsby, who we're going to talk about in the next segment. You, one of the best, again, in this area, the best shooter I've seen. That's hands down. And he has a couple of other shooters on his team that are, are, are dynamic. He has some players around him that are dynamic. You know, uh, RJ, I think he wears number 10 for um, North Gwinnett. Young, dynamic. They have another post player. These two guys would dunk every single ball that they get down there. They dunk it on everybody. Dynamic team, very dynamic team. And at the beginning of the season, and Keyshawn, who's over here, a man of me, will tell you at the beginning of the season, I said North Gwinnett is a good team. They had a, a, a guard earlier on in the season, I think, that kind of um, – Kind of mess with their flow a little bit, but I think that throughout the season they developed, they got the chemistry together, they got the right five, right seven. You know that rotation became really good, and honestly, they're in this area they're just unbeatable. You know they are the best team hands down in this area, and it is because they have that we is greater than me mentality. They have that grit. They have that I'm not gonna flop. I'm gonna take it to your chest mentality. Their best shooter doesn't take all their shots. Let me say that one more time because that – hold on. All right, so Kobe and Shaq. Kobe, hands down, one of the best players to ever live, all right? During his best years with him and Shaq playing, winning championships, Kobe did not lead the team in scoring – Kobe did not take the most shots. It was Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal took the most shots, led the team in scoring. They won championships. But everybody knew that Kobe was hands down the best player on that team. So tell me why is he not the one chunking up 50 shots a game, 60 shots a game? The reason being is because my big man down here is not guardable. I want to win games. I want to win championships. I want to set records. So why would I take threes and long twos and drive to the goal and make and try to make these reverse layups that I can make? But why would I do all that when I have a big man who's unguardable? Okay, maybe you don't have a big man. Let's say that. So let's let's take Kobe and Shaq out of the equation. Let's put it to a team of, of smaller players. We don't have a, a defiant, you know, just dominating big man. But we have big men that will put in the work. If there's no inside-out game, if there's no driving ditch game, if there's no pick-and-roll game, are we trying to win? Who... 
really at the high school level just has that kind of lights out shot, that clutch shot that I want you to just come down the court and the first shot of my game is a three-pointer from two feet behind the three-point line. Who wants that? Who has that? Anybody? No. So listen, the reason you either succeed or fail as a program is from the top to the bottom. It doesn't start at the bottom and go to the top. It's from the top to the bottom. Top to bottom. So these coaches, you have to realize that the devil you know may not be the player to win the game for you. They may be the player that won't lose the game for you. Meaning if you put the ball in their hand, maybe they won't turn it over. But isn't a bad shot really a turnover? So we're going to talk about some players that I've already uh, been watching for a while. And then we're going to talk about two new players that I've just had the pleasure of meeting, uh, getting to talk to and getting to conversate with, getting to scout a little bit and uh, now getting to, to work with. So we're going to start with the players that have already signed. I'm just going to kind of talk about what I've seen this year as far as those players are, you know, after they've signed, after they've already reached the hype that they've, you know, really earned. Um, did they fall or did they continue to, to thrive? Um, the first player, everybody in the Atlanta region knows. The reason I keep going Atlanta to Alabama, or Georgia to Alabama is because, you know, originally I'm from the Alabama, the state of Alabama, so I, I watched that state very closely. Um, those players down there all are very special to me. And then I'm currently in Georgia, so, I watch the players in Georgia a lot because it's actually becoming a really serious hub for, you know, basketball recruitment. Um, you know, it's a lot of colleges that look down here for these uh, teams because of the EYBL circuit, because of how big AAU has gotten and things like that. So I definitely watch very closely to to kind of put players out there in front of these programs uh, as much as I can. So first and foremost, from Georgia, we're going to talk about Sharif Cooper and what he's done this season compared to what he's done in the past couple of seasons. Um, he's an Auburn commit, so he will be at Auburn this summer um, leading that Tiger team that is really still kind of unstoppable right now with Bruce Pearl. Um, Kishan seems to think that Auburn is going to win the title this year. You still think that? Yeah. All right, so they're not, but they will definitely make a serious run. I think they will make it back to the Elite Eight or back to the Final Four. They can do that. They they do have that type of talent, that type of um, – well, you know what? I, I, I digress. I will say this. If they make it to the Final Four this year, I honestly think because of who Bruce Pearl is, I honestly think that if they make it to the Final Four, they will win a national championship this year. But they have to make they. I, it's just I feel like they're doing just so much that those first couple of rounds are going to be those those really important rounds for them. You know, they have to keep that same um, energy throughout the rest of this season in the SEC championship as well. But 
I, I mean, if they make it to the Final Four, they will win a national championship. I will say that. But Sharif Cooper um, is one player that I know has one motor. He has one mindset, and he has one objective when he steps on the court. All right? Regardless of if he is freshman year Sharif Cooper or if he is junior year receiving every single offer ever Sharif Cooper or if he's senior year Sharif Cooper that has committed and signed with Auburn, Sharif has not changed as far as what his goal is and what his mindset becomes once he steps on the court. All right. Uh, one thing over at McEachern I see on the back of their jerseys, they have that we is greater than me. Uh, actually on the back of their jersey and that's how coach T kind of coaches um, and that's how he builds that program as far as far as what I see and if you have a guard like Sharif Cooper that is the head of your program then you're in pretty good hands you know he's one of the most unselfish dominating guards I've had the pleasure of seeing Um, so he definitely is deserving of a top guard in the state of Georgia um, I think, especially in this Atlanta area, he's a little. He's, there's quite a bit of space in between him and the and the next um, guard that's that's kind of going in his direction. Uh, and then, of course, in Alabama, we're going to talk about Jaden Coleman. Uh, he's a Tulane commit and signee. Uh, he's over at Bob Jones. I just talked about him a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. But Jaden's another one that has not let everything that he's worked so hard for and earned get to his head. He's taken what he's got and he's continuing to build on it. So now he knows, all right, so I'm going to Tulane. So now I have to, I have unfinished business here at Bob Jones. So when I step on the court, it's the same thing. Now, whoever isn't signed around me, all my seniors, all my brothers that I've came so far with, now we have to work so that you guys are able to get that attention. You guys are able to get those scholarships. Um, you know, I have a couple of guys uh, on that Bob Jones team that I've been working with. You know, and it's and the thing about it is, it's, it's very hard as a senior to, you know, get these last minute scholarships. But um, when you have a Jaden Coleman, like I said, or a Sharif Cooper on your team, the spotlight is already on your team, so you have a really good shot at, at getting to that next level, especially once they've already signed and, and moved and you know decided on where they're going and they then turn the spotlight back on you and they say it's time for you to shine. I'm going to do what I have to do but at the same time we're going to do this together to make sure that everybody succeeds. That's what you get out of a Shreve Cooper and that's what you get out of a Jaden Coleman. Alright? So, Collins Hill. Alright, so three times this season I have watched a young kid, Vino Glover Jr., I watched him play, um, and his worst game was a couple of nights ago in the area championship against North Gwinnett, and he's still, in his worst game, a player that will draw attention to himself. Like, he, you will make, he will make you look at him. Uh, his energy is infectious. Uh, I was sitting in the stands, and they were warming up just to my left above my above my head and he's one of those players leading those warm-ups leading those stretches you know playtime was cut 
You know, and that's one thing that I, I, the first thing I noticed is that when it was time for them to start getting serious, he was the head of that team and he was making sure that everybody was doing what they're supposed to do. Came on the court, I watched to see, because I already knew. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said, coach at North Gwinnett, I knew where his mind was. I knew what he had said to his team. I knew how focused and how confident that North Gwinnett was. So I knew it was about to be a dogfight regardless of how close the game was. But I knew North Gwinnett was about to do something crazy. So it was a rough game for Vino. It really was. It was a rough game. They were all over him. You know, um, so in that moment, what I look for isn't, well, can he still score? Or, well, can he still, you know, do this? Because they're all alone. Oh, he didn't score that many points. Oh, he, he, ain't, he ain't ready for college. I ain't, I'm not looking at that. I'm now looking at what are you going to do? How are you going to react when it's not your best game? All right? So what are you going to do when you miss that shot? Are you going to remember those shots that you could have taken? That's what I look for. So after that game, when he called me, the first thing I asked him was, did you leave anything on the floor? And, you know, he was aware of a couple of attempts that he didn't take. Um, He was aware of a couple of times that his mind might have went to doubting himself because he wasn't having that great of a game. As a leader, you want to always be a leader, but you, at the high school level, you seem to think that the way I lead means I have to be the one doing the most. I have to be the one scoring the most. I have to be the one making the most um, all the time. But that's not the way you lead. So as a leader, it's about making sure your team knows how to rebound from anything negative. It means that when this shot was missed, when this ball was turned over, when this foul wasn't given to us, when this foul was called on us, you know, how do we rebound from that? How do we hold our head up? How do we go on to the next play? And how do we bounce back and bring that energy? That's what I look for. And that's what Vino is. Vino is the type of player, he's going to come back down the court and he's going to keep giving it to you. He has a player to his uh, side, number five. I don't remember his name. I know he's getting a lot of uh, looks for football in the ACC. And I, I saw his name before, but I, I definitely slipped my mind. But so you have a player to your side that's just as tenacious as you, has the same grit as you. So you're able to kind of feed off of one another. The only thing that I advise to young Vino is that you have to make sure your team never sees your body language slum because you are the leader. So that energy that you don't give is going to be infectious just like the energy that you do give, all right? That's the only advice I really have as far as just seeing you play in a couple of really good games and then seeing you have not such a great game. That's the advice I would give you, that your energy has, don't ever let your energy or your body language say something that your mouth isn't saying. Like, is he? You're, you're always clapping up your team. You're always saying, let's go, let's get it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But if your body language isn't saying it, they're going to follow that body language automatically. All right? Brandon Rigsby, he's, to me, he's 6'3". All right? That's what I give him. He says he's like 6'1". You know, he was like, stand up. I mean, you know, he towers over me. I'm only 5'10". So... I say he's 6'3", but maybe he's around 6'2", somewhere like that. Left-handed player, pure shooter, 
can attack the basket, knows how to dish off, knows how to make it make plays for his players. Very humble guy. Uh, I've met him quite a few times and had you know a lot of chances to really talk to him. Uh, a, a, just a great kid all around. But what attracts your attention to Brendan over everybody else on the court is the fact that from the time he walks into the gym in his warm-ups and he sits down and he's watching the girls play to the time that he that the, the clock goes off and he's starting to walk into the locker room after he's played, he just looks the part of being a ball player. He's a ball player. He's not scared of anything. He has great sportsmanship. He's going to talk noise to you, but he's also going to be able to handle it when you talk noise to him. He's that player that if you make a shot on him, be prepared for him to come down and make one on you. He can go toe-to-toe with you, but one thing he also knows how to do is know how to involve his team. Like I said earlier, he has two uh, post players that were dunking everything. All right, RJ and number five. No, no, Brandon's number five. I forgot what number the other kid is, but dunking everything. Then you got another shooter, you know, beside Brandon that's over here. Then you had a, a, really a, a whole team full of shooters. I ain't, I ain't going to tell no story. A whole team full of shooters. Everybody can make a shot. All right, but at the end of the day, my motto is anybody's going to make one out of, out of 20. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping that if you take 25 shots, you're going to have at least three points. That's my hope for you. But what I like about Brendan is the fact that he takes the right shots at the right time and he makes them. He's clutch. You know, it doesn't matter if we're down 10, up, up 20, tie game, down by three, three seconds left. It don't matter. He's going to shoot the same. His form is the same. He has the confidence. He's going to be clutch in clutch moments. That's a ball player, all right? So, over the course of the last three days, I've spoken to a few schools, you know, just about what I've seen in this area and who I think they should be kind of targeting. And, you know, Vino and, and, and Brendan have been at the top of my my list, along with RJ, that's over at North Cornette as well. Um... They've been at the top of my list for that reason. You know, every single game, you get the same thing from them. Regardless if it's a bad game or a good game, you're going to get the same thing from them. You're going to get a respectful game. You're going to get a high uh, tenacity-involved game. You're going to get defense. And you're going to get trash talking. You're going to get um, clutch shots being made. And you're going to get, you know, hard drives to the goal without flopping. Right. I pause after that because that is one of my biggest pet peeves. That's one thing that if I'm working with you, will get me to stop working with you because I don't like I don't like male basketball players under the goal trying to get a foul instead of trying to get the score. Do you know what an and one is? 
people used to yell and one after every single shot, even if it was nobody on them. There was a, a period of time that if you did a layup by yourself down the court, you yelling and one just because and one was the thing to get. Like, you wasn't trying to flop. You trying to get the and one. You know, that came right after the whole Kobe. You know, everybody was yelling Kobe in the trash. You know, it's, it's a... But now it's like, I don't want to. I don't want to get the points. I want to just flop so I can get to the line. But then I miss my free throws. I'm six foot nine, but I'm flopping so bad that my hand is so far away from the goal when I'm trying to make this layup because I'm so low, bent over trying to make it seem like I'm getting fouled so hard. When honestly, just like RJ, every time I turn around. I could just try to dunk on you. And now if I miss the dunk, it's because you fouled me that hard. But if you don't foul me at all, or if you don't foul me hard enough, I got a dunk, I got a crowd reaction, got the free throw, we got the momentum. What happened to that attitude? That is is gone in so many programs. It's like coaches are teaching, get to the line, get to the line, get to the line. That don't mean force yourself to the line. That means be prepared for contact to get to the line. That doesn't mean go down here and flop to the point that you're throwing the ball over the goal. That means be prepared for the contact so that you can make the shot and absorb the contact and get to the line. That's where that phrase comes from, get to the line. All right, so with that, I'm going to let Keyshawn come over and wrap this up for today. If you have any questions, you already know where to get me. Thank y'all for listening. If you have any questions, just hit me. Until next time.